In a commission-compressed world, many advisors are thinking about expanding into non-insured benefits, but what are the opportunities and what do you need to know to be successful? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to ShiftShapersOnline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Joel Ray. Joel is chairman and CEO of a firm called New Benefits, and Joel's got some ideas for something that everybody's working on today with commission compression being a real thing, and that's different ways that advisors can expand their practice area. So with that, welcome, Joel. Good afternoon, David. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us. So as I said, commission compression is a real thing, and folks need to expand their practices to bring in new streams of revenue. You focused most of your career on what we call non-insured products. What are those and why are they important? Well, David, non-insured products are a complement to insured products. So as you think about insured ancillary products like dental and vision and pharmacy and chiropractic, what non-insured products are is pretty much a prepayment plus an administration fee. You take out the prepayment plus the administration fee of insurance, and basically what you have is non-insured benefits. So by example, if you have an insured dental program, typically there's going to be deductibles, co-pays, maximums, things like orthodontics that may not kick in in the first year, whereas with a non-insured dental product, it's the same fee schedules, the same provider networks by major dental carriers, and you get access to them from day one. So again, it's taking out the prepayment plus the administration fee. So let's talk about some of the more common, for those folks who who may not be aware of this part of the business, let's talk about some of the more common non-insured products. And and one of the ones that I know that's being talked about a lot is, the, and we'll use the broad name for it, is health advocacy. Is that something that, that is resonating with the brokers that you're talking to? Well, it really is because... HR directors are so overwhelmed these days, not only with what's going on in the world of regulation, which seems to change from minute to minute, but their employees don't really understand the new nature of what the Affordable Care Act has brought. When you have deductibles that have gone up from $100 to an average of $1,300 in 2015, what happens is is people are having to self-insure more. So, To more directly answer your question, 
people in the past, well, they'd just go to the doctor, they'd show their card and pay their $10, $20 copay. Today, it's way more complicated than that. So HR directors are not only having to deal with the plans themselves, but with the employees trying to understand exactly what there is in their plan, how it works. And there was a major firm out on the West Coast, major health carrier, that did a survey of its customers and found that 40% of them didn't even know what a deductible meant. And that's probably because as the older generation, we didn't really have much of a deductible, but now people are learning more how to self-insure. So to be able to use a health advocacy program, the one we utilize does a couple of things. It not only becomes your health advocate, but it also, by trained professionals, I should say. So you've got trained professionals that are trained to deal with health plans, insurance carriers, and people are so overwhelmed, as I mentioned before, that they really want somewhere to go to pick up the phone, and not always is the HR person the best person to do it. So they could either dig it out themselves, or they can work with a trained professional on the other end of the phone, which is always a better opportunity. One of the other things it does is it helps with bill negotiation. So I've been asked before, well, you could probably go to negotiate your own bill, but it's really hard to do. You don't know the ins and outs of healthcare. Wouldn't you rather have a trained professional that can help negotiate on your behalf either before or after a claim is made? It's a wonderful benefit. So that's a great entry point. One of the other non-insurance benefits that I know is talked about a lot, but I don't really think folks understand it, and it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of the conversations today is is identity theft. And I know we were talking off air, Towers Watson recently did a, a very interesting survey. How important is that? And, and how what kind of take up do brokers who are talking about that with clients get? Well, it's extremely important because, you know, a lot of people, they become desensitized to the world around them. You hear all the time of all the organizations that have been breached I mean, even the federal government, the Office of Management and Personnel, if you've ever applied for a government job, your information's out there, along with your social security number, the IRS, the Postal Service, Anthem, which is a Blue Cross company, Sony Pictures, that was uh, a big breach back then when they were talking about that movie, and uh, and Target was a very famous breach. So what I've learned in getting involved with identity theft protection It would be commensurate with you walking out of your home and not locking your door or if you have an alarm system, not turning on the alarm. You wouldn't do that. Another good analogy is it's like having mold in your home or finding out you have termites. You don't want them to ever be able to congregate and you don't know that it's happening. So while most people go about their daily lives and don't focus what can happen to them, there's so many ways that hackers can get access to your information. The general public just doesn't know about it. So to a large degree, education is extremely important. And then when it comes to the world of identity theft, you really have two approaches by the industry. And I'm sure the brokers that are listening to this will know that there are products out there that will prevent it from happening or protect you from having it happen. You can't really prevent it, but protect your information from being stolen. And then you have others that resolve it once it has been stolen. So I'm a huge believer in being able to protect yourself because, again, you don't want to have it stolen and then some period of time later 
have it come back on you because you know you hear about it, but people don't really realize what a nightmare it is for you to restore your identity and and make mortgage companies, healthcare carriers, hospitals, lenders, all kinds of different people that you interface with and organizations make them believe that you are you. And there's some horror stories out there that have been publicized on 60 Minutes and other news shows to show how bad it really is. So the fact that it's now in the world of employee benefits, I think is extremely exciting. And I really feel like it's something that with education, so that if we educate the brokers and the brokers educate the HR folks and the employees are educated to just what they can get for a few dollars a month. I think we're going to see, like you said, survey that just came out where 35% of employers offer today, and that could double in the next couple of years. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, They've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. Another area, Joel, that, that I don't think is really in the current lexicon, at least in a, in a broad way, but we're starting to hear a, an awful lot about, is this thing called financial wellness. What is that, and how does that fit in the whole realm of what advisors can bring to their clients? Well, it's a very broad topic, no doubt about it, and you could even consider identity theft protection, a financial wellness product, because if your identity gets stolen and your well-being, your financial well-being's at risk, it definitely affects your physical and mental health. So when they start talking about financial wellness and the products that have come onto the market in the last number of years to be able to help mitigate that, it is any type of product that will help anybody that has a financial issue. It could be bankruptcy. It could be divorce. It could be loss of job. There's just so many things that could happen. And I don't know if you've heard the term presenteeism. We've all heard absenteeism. But what happens is if people are financially distraught for whatever reason, they come to work, they're there, but their minds aren't really on their job. So it ends up costing employers untold amount of money. They, the researchers will say millions to billions of dollars a year collectively. And so employers are starting to understand the connection with financial wellness to physical and mental wellness. And so I think if uh, your audience today haven't already embraced these types of products, they sh- uh, certainly should consider them. Would you consider most of the financial wellness programs to be kind of, to use the word we've used earlier, just a different kind of an advocacy program? Is that kind of how these roll out? 
Well, they could be an advocacy program or they could be financial helpline. So versus an EAP type program where you can get emotional support, this is a line where you can call in. They they just ask for a member number so your name's not mentioned and you can talk about and get help with any financial distressing situation. Part of the literacy is there are products out there. So a lot of people, most people, don't budget. Most people, I don't remember off the top of my head where this number came from, but I did see recently that most people don't have $1,000 in an emergency to be able to utilize. Most people, or I think about half of America, are paycheck to paycheck. So it's a matter of literacy. It's a matter of tools like these financial products and advocacy, like you had mentioned, where an employer can educate their employees. And I should say that just putting products in front of employees, whether it's on an employer paid basis or a payroll deduction where the employee pays, if you just buy the benefits or make them available and don't educate them, it's really a waste of money. It's a partnership with the broker who is taking a much more consultative approach than they have in the past. They've always been consultants, But now with the diminished commissions, like you've talked about earlier, it's really more of guiding people to the right products in a modern world because it is different than it used to be even five or 10 years ago. What does the conversation sound like? If if I'm an advisor who's typically worked in core medical and, and maybe some voluntary, more traditional insured voluntary products, how do you counsel advisors to, to begin this conversation with their prospects and clients? Because it's different than what they've done before. And that's the beauty of it. So that if a broker calls a prospect and they say, I'd like to talk to you today about voluntary products such as disability, cancer products, critical illness, these types of products that are the usual and customary, if you will, it's refreshing to be able to talk about, hey, what about financial wellness products like an identity theft product or do your employees travel because we have a product that is sold for hundreds of dollars retail, but for a few dollars at the employee level that is a global travel assistance program. And just the various types that you mentioned earlier, telemedicine, health advocacy, and even the conventional dental vision, chiropractic, and so forth. So it is, we're finding that you never have a bad conversation. Either the consultant and or the broker may decide this isn't for them. But I would say, David, we're in probably the second or third inning, if you want to use baseball vernacular, of where non-insured products are in the worksite. So you have your early adopters. You are starting to get into the people that watch the early adopters, let them prove it, and then they jump in, and they're starting to jump in feet first. And then you'll always have the latecomers that will come kicking and screaming only after it's been completely proven for some number of years. I think the thing about this is because many of the major insurance companies and consultants and brokerage firms are getting into it, popularizing it, and it's it's getting to the point where I think pretty soon we're going to enter the fourth or fifth inning because if you're not at least advising your clients about these products and someone else comes in behind you and does, you may miss out. 
So if I'm an advisor and I think, gee, this is something that might be interesting to, to put into my practice, to integrate into the stuff that I'm already doing, how do I go about doing it? Do I suss out individual carriers and go directly to them? Do I find an aggregator, which is a term we should probably define for the audience? How do you best go about doing that? Well, you certainly could go directly to the various vendors that provide these products. The problem with that is you're going to be a small fish in a big sea if you do that. They may or may not know who you are. And even if they do, it's a little bit difficult to just jump in, get aggressive pricing. And then we'll talk about aggregators, which is the term that you just mentioned. An aggregator is a company that puts all these products and services and administration all in one package with a tied up bow, if you will. The beauty of it is, is you can white label, you can co-brand, you can do as little or as much of the administration that you would like. And with a typical aggregator, what I would look for, if I were your listening audience, is make sure that the company that you're looking at has vetted the products that they are displaying on their internet site, or if you just call them on their website, and ask them, do you do ongoing testing of your benefits to make sure that they stay current? Can I bundle them? Can I, besides white labeling them, can I change if I have a provider? I don't want a one-size-fits-all. I want to be able to maybe take a benefit out or put a benefit in with a particular client. You know, Do you do administration? Can you do the billing? Who sends the member the membership kit? If I'm going to white label it and I don't have print services available, I want to make sure that it goes out. And I think most importantly, and your audience will understand this, is the compliance aspect of it. We're in a very regulatory friendly world to the consumer, in this case, the employee. So you really need to do some background checking and make sure because the industry, if you get into the non-insured medical side of things, is fairly regulated. There's a term that the uh, state's insurance boards use, and it's called DMPO, Discount Medical Plan Organization. So make sure the company that you use, if you're doing the medical side of things, is licensed in those states. You can go on the state websites. It's pretty easy to find, and you can learn a lot of information about the companies that are approaching you or that you would like to approach to provide these products and services. That sounds like a great way to get started for most folks. We've got a couple of minutes left, and we always like to ask our guests what they see as the future of their area. So over the near and long term, what do you see the growth slope looking like for advisors adding these kinds of products and for employers asking them or for them becoming part of the table stakes of what advisors offer? Well, that's a great question, David. And we get it all the time. And I'll refer back to the comment I made earlier about being in about the third inning. We're really in the just getting out of the early adoption stage. So I think that these types of benefits are going to become the fabric of most health plans. The insurance companies are starting to bring them on. The brokers and consultants are starting to bring them on. It's going to be so much more important as HSAs continue to grow, deductibles continue to get higher, and they, each one of these in and of themselves, even if you just took one of the benefits, is going to lower the cost of health care. So when you start talking about in today's health care world, you know, what are the the broker's clients looking for, I mean, how many brokers fear going in in October and November 
to their employer and they go, yeah, we know your claims are down, but you're the lucky one. You're only getting an 18% increase in your major medical premiums. You can only do that for so long, it becomes unsustainable. So these types of products are fresh, they're new, they work. And it's not a matter of like buying life insurance and you hope you never have to use it. And I think the statistic is four to five percent ever cash in. People that buy policies ever cash them in. My own company has disability. And in the 26 years we've been doing this, I don't think we've ever had a claim. These are the types of products that people can use every day. And when it's time to renew, you don't get this, well, we're not using it, so we're not going to renew it. So I really think that this is going to be, it's already become and going to be a more important as the years go by, a part of the arsenal that a broker has to uh, take to their employers. I think they're, they're not being as consultative as they could be if they just ignore it. Great answer. Joel, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. Joel Ray, Chairman and CEO of New Benefits. Thanks again, Joel. David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.